Welcome back to Straight From The Source. Michael Russo here. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And now is the time to get in on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. 50% off an annual subscription. Again, hockey season right around the corner. We leave a week from tomorrow for Anaheim. Uh, the Wilds opening night is a week from Friday, October 15th. In fact, the Wild, I think, are the last team to play a regular season game. Opening night in the NHL is October 12th. The Wild don't play again until uh, the 15th. But now's the time to get into The Athletic because uh, just breaking news stories, features, podcasts on all your favorite teams, especially the Minnesota Wild, if I do say so myself. Um, today's guest on The Athletics Straight from the Source podcast, Ryan Hartman. A really, really fun interview with Ryan Hartman, a really interesting guy. Some have, I've also, I've, I always mentioned this, I've gotten to know his family. His brother plays uh, junior hockey in New Hampshire. I've gotten to know his dad really well as well. Um, awesome guy. And by the way, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree there with Ryan. Um, but Ryan Hartman, a big, big role on the team. He seems to be uh, following that Marcus Felino template. That Marcus, remember when he got to the wild, he was in that trade for Marco Scandella and, and Jason Pominville. Um, and the Wild got Tyler Ennis in that as well. It took Marcus probably a year, year and a half to get his footing. And then all of a sudden, he just started ripping off more and more of a role on the team, getting bigger responsibility and became an impactful player here. And Ryan certainly feels that way as well. It kind of came here, fourth line, right wing, then third line. Um, then all of a sudden, last year, he moves to center. And now he enters as Erickson X replacement on the greenway Felino line. And the natural replacement for Erickson Eck. Erickson Eck, after 19 goals last year, is getting rewarded with that enviable spot between Kaprizov and Zuccarello to open the season. And it sure seems like that's cemented in stone because I'll tell you what, I mean, he was outstanding between Kaprizov and Zuccarello on Monday night in the win against Colorado. So Ryan Hartman, who plays a very similar style, a gritty in-your-face style like Erickson Eck, he goes and plays center on that line with Felino and uh, Greenway. So uh, another thing that I, I do start to wonder is if he's going to get power play time. You know, Freddie Goudreau seems to be the guy that Dean Evison is leaning to right now. That's who played uh, second power play against the uh, Avalanche on Monday night. But last Thursday in Colorado, it was Ryan Hartman in that game. Uh, Freddie was not, Freddie Goudreau was not in that game. Ryan Hartman played the power play and he actually scored a goal. And I personally think after watching Ryan Hartman that he has much better hands than Freddie Goudreau. Now, maybe I need more of a, a sample size to see if Freddie Goudreau. Um, but look, uh, you know, last night uh, or Monday night against the Avalanche, uh, he just had trouble with his hands. He couldn't catch a pass, couldn't make a pass, uh, muffin shots, things like that. So hopefully Goudreau will find his footing here because he's, he seems like a heck of a guy and a and a pretty good player and somebody that Dean Evison really petitioned for the Wild to go sign after their history together um, with the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, remember, Freddie Goudreau, in 2017, I was covering that Stanley Cup final against the Pittsburgh Penguins when he was with the National Predators. He just burst onto the scene and was an absolute revelation, scored his first three NHL goals in the Stanley Cup final. First NHL player, I believe, to ever do that. Um, ever since, though, he has five regular season goals. So uh, Freddie Goudreau trying to become an every-day uh, player and right now playing with Victor Rask and Kevin Fiala, and we'll see if that continues. We'll see if that continues because the Wild on, on Tuesday picked – up Rem Pitlick off waivers. Rem Pitlick, the former Gophers uh, stud, son of Lance Pitlick, 
brother of current gopher, Rhett Pitlick. Um, Ren Pitlick, I actually covered Lance Pitlick in Florida. Lance Pitlick was drafted, I believe, by the North Stars, then was uh, wound up playing four or 500 games, uh, maybe three or 400 games for the Ottawa Senators, then signed a free agent contract with the Florida Panthers um, in 2000 or 2001, and I covered him down there. Um, and now I get to cover his, uh, his son here in Minnesota. His son, third round pick, um, incredible career at Muskegon with the USHL. I believe he was player of the year and forward of the year in 2016 when he led the league in, uh, I believe, goals, assists, and points. He was just an absolute monster there. And then he goes on and has a really good quality career at the University of Minnesota with over 100 points and and um, and in, in, I think, 110 or 112 games. I probably should have had the press release in front of me. He'll wear number 16 with the Wild. Um, this is clearly a guy that they are expecting to play games for them or at least be on their NHL roster because when you pick a player up off waivers right now, you have to keep them on your NHL roster or you to send them to Iowa, you'd have to put them back on waivers and one would assume another team would pick them up or Nashville would just grab them back and put them right in in uh, Milwaukee. So Rem Pitlick, 24 years old, is here to play. Um, and, and what's really interesting about that is on Monday when he was placed on waivers, somebody I really respect actually texted me and said, do you think the Wild will pick him up? And I said, why? I said, no. I mean, all that would mean is that it would take one less player uh, off their roster to make the team out of training camp. And it would also sort of block, um, you know, guys like, you know, even even guys that maybe do deserve rewards for all their hard work down in Iowa, the, the Mason Shaws and the Jerus and Bittens of the world. So, of course, what happens a day later, the Wild pick up Rem Pitlick off waivers. And now that does mean that if the Wild keep 13 forwards, and one would assume that for the most part, they're going to keep only one extra forward because really really keeping two extra forwards is just a waste of money. The only time I think that the wild would ever need to take an extra forward is if say they're going up to Canada and you want sort of COVID insurance. If you get up to Canada and something happens where somebody tests positive, um, it, you're not going to be able to get a guy up there and, and play right away. I believe if he's going to fly commercial. So, well, you know, we'll see what happens there, but my gut says the wild for the most part this year is they're only going to keep one extra forward on the roster. And so out of training camp, what this means, if Rem Pitlick's on the team and they're only keeping one extra forward after that is that Beckman, Boldy, Rossi, Dior, Rao, Duham are those final guys for one spot. And it really will depend on the role. So if Victor Rask, let's say, is your third line left wing, well, then I think that Boldy and Beckman start in the minors. And frankly, Boldy probably played himself into the minors on Monday night and last Thursday's game in Colorado, the two games against the Avalanche. So um, if Victor Rask starts as your third line left wing, if that's where the Wild have him penciled in, I've got to think that 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 means that then Beckman and Boldy start in the minors. I already have explained in my um, article today why I think Rossi starts in the minors. One, they really haven't given him much of a chance in camp to play with NHL rostered guys. Eric Sinek is played great there. Ryan Hartman has played well on his line. Um, and it seems like Dean Evison wants to give Freddie Goudreau every opportunity in the world. So Rossi looks like he's postmarked for Iowa. Um, and by the way, he might get sent down Thursday or Friday and his entire family is coming in, by the way, his mom, his sister, his girlfriend, his dad, everybody's coming over to Minnesota for like three weeks. And, uh, and that might be the day he's sent down if he's sent down. Um, so now if Rask is third line again, that now leaves your fourth line. Well, if Rem Pitlick, who's mostly a left wing that can play center is your fourth line left wing, does Duhame even start in the minors or does Duhame your 13th forward? Or do none of those guys start on the team if Rem's in the lineup and you just keep like a Kyle Rao as your extra guy? That is a possibility. The other option is 
you have Victor Rask at your fourth line left wing or Rem Pitlick as your fourth line left wing or Duham in your as your as your fourth line left wing and maybe a Beckman or a Boldy make the team on your third line. But right now, the way that they're playing Victor Rask, it sure feels like he's your third line left wing and your fourth line left wing is going to be a mix of either, you know, Rem Pitlick or Brandon Duham making the team or maybe again, a Kyle Rao. So um, after all the storylines of camp, um, and if I haven't confused you already, because I'm sort of doing uh, an alphabet soup in my own head, but if, if, if all these stories in camp of Rossi, Boldy, Beckman, Duham, could you imagine if at the end of the day it's Rem Pitlick and Kyle Rao making the final uh, roster and the, all those guys start in Iowa? Uh, we'll see. Um, again, read my story, though, on Marco Rossi uh, today and why I think that he, uh, the Wild might be uh, using his contract is one reason to sort of slow play him in the NHL. On my other podcast, I sort of alluded this last week when I used the term slow play Rossi and what I meant by that, and I didn't want to create a huge issue then because I wanted to see training camp play out. But if you're the Minnesota Wild, um, the deal is is that technically, even though he was 19 at the time, the date of the signing for Marco Rossi last October, the NHL considers him 18 years old. And what that means is for his NHL entry-level contract, that made him eligible for two contract slides. So that means his three-year deal, the first year slid to this year because he didn't play any NHL games this year. But technically... Based on the date of his birth, the magic number in the NHL is September 15th. He was born on September 23rd. That means that he was technically 19 this year, even though he's actually 20. And what that means is he's eligible for not another contract slide. So he could actually play in Iowa all year long or come up and down all year long. And as long as he plays nine games or fewer in the NHL, including playoffs, his first year of his contract wouldn't start. And the reason why that makes actual business sense, even though some of you might not think that's fair from an NHL standpoint, is that that means his contract would start next season and it would coincide perfectly with the end of the Zach Parise, Ryan Suter buyout pain. And why that's important is that if the Wild really believe that Marco Rossi is going to be a stud in this league and can maybe win the Calder as a 21-year-old or have a monster uh, time in that in that three-year window where he's going to deserve a, a major, major raise on a second contract, you might want to uh, – push this down, down, you know, push, kick this down the curb a little bit, start it next year, and then you coincide it with the end of the pain. And now if all of a sudden Beckman, Boldy, and Rossi all erupt in this in these next couple of years, you'll be able to afford all of them. But if all of a sudden you put two or three of those guys on the roster now and they all have masterful seasons, well, now you're getting yourself a new potential cap issues here in the next couple of years based off the bed that the Wild made here with buying out Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. So uh, we'll see here, but it's starting to, you know, to me, the writing's on the wall. I don't see Boldy making the team. I don't see Rossi making the team. So that now, now brings it down and I don't see Durham making the team. So that brings us down to uh, Kyle Rao, Rem Pitlick, who I think is on the team, Brandon Duham and Adam Beckman, who has three goals in two preseason games heading into Wednesday night's game against the St. Louis Blues. So Beckman, huge game for him on Wednesday night, assuming he's in the lineup. So, um, But the, to me, the writing's on the wall. If Rem is your 12th forward, that means they're probably only keeping one out of training camp. Um, and that would be uh, Duham, Rao, or Beckman, and it's depending on the role of Rask. The other thing that people keep on asking me is, do I think the Wild would put Rask on waivers? I think it's I just have trouble. Now, I got the Rem Pitlick thing wrong, so I have trouble going out on a limb on this, but I just, for a wild team that last year had Victor Rask as their number one center, um, kept him on the power play despite constantly showing that he shouldn't have been on the power play. 
Um, and then even in this year, making sure that he's on that third line and not uh, and playing him with Fiala, and even in the exhibition game on Monday, not giving Boldy a look in that spot and Rask a look on the fourth line. I just have it hard to believe that the Wild would put him on waivers. The other thing here is, is he's in the last year of his deal at $4 million, and if another team would be interested in trading him, you might want to keep him on the roster and sort of uh, you know hope that his stock, that he continues or shows some impressive uh, numbers, produces, um, and then maybe you could trade him at some point as well. So I, I just have trouble believing that the Wild would put him on waivers and, and bury him in Iowa just to keep one of these other uh, forwards on the team if the Wild think that Boldy, Beckman, and Rossi aren't ready for the show. And so I, I don't think the Wild are at that spot now. I'm not saying that in a month or two, it doesn't make sense to maybe put Rask on waivers if it's not working out and the other guys deserve a spot here. But right now, I'd just be shocked at that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, a lot of this will come up uh, here in the next little bit here. Again, rosters have to be put in on um, on October 11th at 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, other stuff going on in camp. Again, Ryan Hartman, my guest today. We talk a lot about that Greenway, Hartman, Felino. Um, look, I think it looks really good so far early in camp. We'll see how it does, uh, in the season. Um, their D pairs, a big question mark coming into this year so far, it looks good again, preseason games, but Kulikov has continued to impress me. And by all accounts, the wild, uh, like Jordy Ben and John Merrill, they both have performed well in their, um, you know, duties so far in the NHL preseason. So we'll see if that continues, but right now, uh, they look good. Another little storyline that's come out here the last couple uh, days is Kevin Fiala getting PK uh, uh, time. Now, Kevin was uh, really good in Monday's game, didn't score though, ton of chances. And that to me was a little concerning though, because that really almost picks up where he left off in the players in the playoffs. Remember he had chance after chance after chance after chance and just couldn't bury pucks except for game six that helped get them to game seven granted. But, you know, tons of chances should have scored more than he did. And just and didn't, and that happened again Monday night. But again, great chances, looking good, um, and now getting PK time. And one reason why uh, Dean Evison likes that is he likes the maturity of, of Kevin Fiala, but he thinks that it commits him to the defensive side of the puck as well. So um, that has been a storyline. Capo Kakinen really good on Monday night against uh, the Colorado Avalanche. He only had to make 15 saves, but three or four of them were great A's and two of them led directly to goals, including that gorgeous uh, Kirill Kaprizov goal that he capped off with the give and go with Matt Zuccarello, who's had a fabulous camp, five assists in two games. Kakinen will get the start Wednesday night against the St. Louis Blues. The Wild will call up six guys or so uh, from Iowa to play in that game. And then Thursday night against the Chicago Blackhawks, Cam Talbot will get that start. And then the expectation is that Cam will also play in Saturday's preseason finale in Chicago. Then the Wild will come back to Minnesota, practice on Sunday, and take a bus up to Duluth for two or three days of team bonding, including one practice up there on Tuesday at 1130 a.m. That is open to the public at Amsoil Arena if you're listening up to Duluth. Um, and I think that's that's about it. Uh, before we get to Ryan Hartman, though, I wanted to take a quick break. And here's a word from one of our sponsors. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Ryan Hartman is my guest here on Straight from the Source. And thanks, Ryan, for for doing this. Uh, Marcus Foligno uh, did last week's, and it was just a really fun, fun interview as well. Um, first of all, just uh, how are you liking camp and coming in here in such an expanded role this year as second line center between Marcus and uh, Jordan Greenway? Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, wasn't really sure what the lines were going to be coming into camp um, from, you know, exit meetings and all that. Um, 
with the coaching staff and organization um, telling me I was going to, you know, start staying at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew that coming in and, um, you know, just kind of try to prepare myself for, for that. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's camp's been great. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you never really know the flow of things and how it goes, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I think it's been a really, really good, uh, overall guys have been working, competing, um, amongst each other so it's a really good really good mix we were were talking at one of your news conferences the other day about how it does feel like almost you're you've followed this marcus felino template that he came to the minnesota wild he you know we didn't know a lot about him it felt like the organization didn't know a lot about him he started on the fourth line you know playing eight nine minutes a night and then all of a sudden he expanded not only his role on team but the voice on the team became such an important player and it seems like you're on that same sort of ascension right now where, you know, fourth line right wing and then all of a sudden you're up in the lineup and now you're in a position where you really could be a, a big impactful player on this team, not only just PK and five on five, but again, watching practice today on the power play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of throughout my career, you know, I've, I've, I've had roles and I've bumped, jumped up in the lineup and, you know, as, as soon as guys got, got healthy, uh, you know, you're right back you know, to where you mm-hmm. were and getting kind of limited minutes and just kind of, you know, coming to Minnesota, um, you know, right away, you know, I was just trying to find my spot and find where I was needed. And, um, you know, since being here, um, kind of found that role that I've, that I've, my ideal role where, that I've played my whole life and that I've been trying to get to, which is, you know, killing penalties. Um, you know, if, 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 I'm needed on the power play, you know, I, I can do that. And I think I'm, I'm pretty good there in the middle. And, um, as well as, you know, playing center, I wasn't too sure. Like I said, I've played center a handful of times with some really good players and, you know, sometimes that makes it a little easier for you, but, um, you know, I've really fallen in love with that spot. And not that I, you know, can't play wing if I, if, mm-hmm. if needed, but, um, I do like, like where I'm at and like the role and, you know, that was a big reason of, of staying, wanting to stay here too, was, was having that role. And it, it's frustrating when you're on teams, like I've been in the past and, um, you know, you, you, you kind of feel as if you weren't there, it was irrelevant and it didn't matter if, mm-hmm. if you were even playing sometimes. So, um, you know, here I feel like I'm needing the lineup and, um, I know, and I can, can contribute offensively and defensively and, um, you know, play against top lines and, produce offensively yeah let's rewind a little bit you grew up in chicago um you're drafted in the first round after your blackhawks win a cup i'm sure i assume you grew up a blackhawks yep. diehard oh, yeah. what was what was that like to be drafted by your hometown team in the first round right after they win a, a championship yeah i mean i was uh i was at the parade in 2010 uh, as a fan um 2013 I'm trying to remember if I no, I couldn't go because I was obviously going to the draft at the time. Right. I was in New York. Um, yeah, and then you know I I didn't really know where I was going to be slotted in the draft. I've seen was looking at mock drafts like everyone kind of does, and I saw anywhere early, you know, top fifteen or in the bottom fifteen, I should say. Um, you know, you you hear teams, you know, like I think it was Columbus and, and Calgary, both had three picks in the first round that year, and mm-hmm. they both both teams told me if i was available they were going to take me and then so every time their names came up i was like oh okay and chicago was never really even like a thought you know they were sitting at 30 they just won a won a cup and you know i thought i was like you know obviously it was would be great to to slip down to there but i didn't know you know with those other teams you know kind of promising you never really know so once i got around 25 i think it was montreal was up and they took um took a big forward mccarran 
Um, so then after 25, I was at, at that point, I saw Chicago at 30 and then I was, I was hoping to not hear my name, uh, for the last few picks there. And then, um, yeah. And then it was Chicago and, you know, I had family there. And if you ever listen, listen to the draft call, they, you hear Stan say Plymouth Whalers, and then you hear a big yell from, from my aunt. And I don't know if it was my mom, but I had, I had family across the rink, uh, that were there and. But then they kind of stopped because they weren't – maybe there's another player from Plymouth that's getting drafted. But, um, no, it was awesome. And, you know, early you go to a cup-winning team, it's it's not easy to, to crack a lineup. Yeah. There, you know, there was, no, there was no space really needed for me at the time. And it was a slow process, which I actually think was awesome because I got to go down to the minors and make some good friends, but at the same time learn the professional yeah. game and um, learn a lot through there and just kind of – I wasn't rushed to, you know, to become, to become a live up to the first round, you know, name. And I was able to develop down there and get, you know, stronger too. Do you think like fans sometimes don't understand that even wild fans? I mean, it's hard to crack this lineup and wild fans, they all, you know, everybody's clamoring Beckman, Boldy, Rossi, get them, get them, put them in the lineup. But, but there's something really, uh, you know, know, important about and valuable about going to Iowa and learning how to be a pro and playing the pro game and, and sort of, you know, slow playing yourself to the NHL. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as players too, you know, you, you want to make that jump right away, but it, it's not easy. And I, I mean, I think the, you know, there, there are a handful of players that make the jump right away. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talent that, you know, guys can just kind of jump in and go and play. And at the same time, maybe guys need time. And, um, I think, you know, those two years were the best thing that's, that's happened to me. You know, I, uh, a lot of great memories from Rockford and, um, you know, and then at the same time you get called up here and there when there's injuries and, and you have, you know, well, let's say it's five games and you're pretty much, no matter how well you play, you're probably getting sent down afterwards. And it's mm-hmm. kind of just like, come up, make your impression, let them know you're still there around right. and, and um, every chance you get, make sure you're ready. So that's yeah. that's kind of how how it went the, the first couple of years. Uh, one last question on the draft. Um, obviously, it's in Newark uh, in 2013 when you're drafted. You mentioned you're the last uh, pick of that first round. How? You, I know that you said that you were hoping that maybe the 28th, 29th let you go to Chicago. But is there also that anxiety like, wow, I just sat in a suit with my family in the first round, and yeah. now I might have to leave here and come back tomorrow? Well, so with that, it was it was all one day. Oh, right, that, that was the one day draft. Right? So my actual my my stall partner in Plymouth was uh, Ricard Raquel, and he went thirtieth two years prior. Right, and he warned me. He goes, "It's awesome, but if you drop to thirty, you're standing up, and everyone's leaving." Yeah, you know. He so he was he was kind of joking. He's like, "You stand up, get your name called, and the whole stadium starts to leave, right. and they don't watch you anymore." So, but yeah, so the draft actually started at one o'clock. And it was all seven rounds, eight rounds, seven rounds. Yep, yep, that's seven rounds. Yeah, all seven rounds. So it was like the first round and they took like maybe a 30-minute break. And then they started the second, uh, the seventh. So um, luckily enough, it was a long time. I think they stopped. I think, I don't know what the the clock is, usually 20 minutes. They dropped it to 10 or 15 minutes. So it went maybe a little quicker than 
guys in the past. So yeah. kind of got lucky. There. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's also rewind to uh, June 21st, uh, 2019, uh, a tweet of yours that I know that you didn't think was going to go viral did go viral. <laughs> and you said, uh, going off the grid, yeah. you know, I think you put the peace sign up, yeah, uh, did, you know, yeah. see you later. And then your mom went viral about three days later when she's like, uh, call your mom, please. Because yeah. you were literally off the grid. Yeah. And not only didn't know, you know that you were traded, you had no idea that you were a free agent. Right. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So I was with Philly. Um, me and my agent and uh, Chuck were talking and you know, I didn't talk talk to Chuck much, but my agent was and mm-hmm. trying to work on a, like a new contract. I had arbitration rights. Um, we didn't want it to, to go to arbitration. But, um, you know, so I before going on this trip, I, you know, talked to my agent I'm like, hey, am I good to go on this trip? You know, with all the <laughs> stuff he goes, oh, you were fine. We're making good way headway. Like you'll be You'll be fine. We'll get this sorted out when you get back. So I'm like, okay, well, you said it, so I'm I'm out of here. So um, a family friend of mine um, that I've got to know pretty well in Chicago, we uh, we drove up right through here, in Minnesota, through Duluth, up to International Falls, and then up to uh, Kenora. Yeah, is it Kenora? Yeah, I think so. Or not Kenosha, Kenora. Yeah, Kenora. Um, then took a took a plane up there like a float plane about an hour and a half and to this little house on an island. There's no cell service. So um, I think, um, so we get there, we did two couple days of fishing. Um, on the third day, the owner of the outpost company was going to fly in and take us to a new lake for musky fishing that day. And um, I've already been, I've already been traded that, I think I got traded the first day I was there. I didn't know. Um, now it's day two or three. Um, I'm still, you know, not haven't heard, have no idea. <laughs> and I guess, and my girlfriend and mom, mainly my girlfriend didn't know the company. I didn't tell them what company we we're flying with or what <laughs> company we we're using this company with. Right. So they finally found it and they called the, the airport where the planes leave from and got a hold of the, the guy who was coming to pick us up. So when he lands the plane, I went down there and I'm helping him dock the plane and stuff and he goes hey is there a ryan around here i'm like oh yeah that's me he goes hey um you need to get a hold of your agent he's like you guys just got traded (laughs) and i'm like what do you mean like i thought he was telling me i had a contract offer i Uh thought he just kind of got you know lost like the game of telephone lost in translation so he goes no something something in uh texas uh dallas i'm like this can't be right so so sure enough i i go and get our saddle is emergency saddle you could we were only allowed to use it's like five dollars a minute to talk uh-huh. on it so go get the satellite phone it's kind of a cloudy day so it's kind of hard to get service on there i had to get to the highest ground possible uh call my agent just kind of went over because yeah you got traded and then they didn't they didn't sign you they, they didn't qualify you so they offered you a contract a one-year deal but now you're ufa so now now you got to negotiate you know so uh-huh. um i went a few times i was i told them uh, i'd call them every day at noon um so every day at noon i got some great photos of you know we'd be fishing then noon would roll around and they dropped me off on a rock in the middle of the uh-huh. lake and then i'd sit there and make some calls on the satellite phone i don't know what my bill ended up being it was <laughs> it was not cheap to make all these calls but um it, it was kind of nice too because you know i had a lot of teams interested right away had a few offers um you know minnesota was was a, was a big one that that i was very interested in but um, it was nice too, cause I had no, no outside noise either. It yeah. was the five guys I was up there with. I had no, you know, you can say it's a good thing or bad thing. No influence from family or friends besides the guys I was up and we yeah. had, you know, a lot of heart to hearts, 
around the campfire talking where it would be cool to play. And, um, it actually ended up being a pretty, pretty awesome kind of place to kind of do that thing, you know? Yeah. Right. But it was very, it was hard to do because, you know, it was, I'd end the call, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'd be talking to my age. I'd be like, well, less, well, I guess it wasn't Billy at the time. It was, um, Paul, Paul, Paul yeah. Yep. He's like, well, tell Paul, this is, you know, maybe what I want. This is what I'm looking for. And I'll call you back tomorrow at noon. <laughs> just let him know, like, this is where I'm at. So luckily it all worked out and I, I went to the place that I was most interested in. Yeah. And here you are now, three years later, you, you found a home. And not only that, a lot of people asked, uh, you know, guys like uh, Ben, Alec, um, you know, you signed for less last year. And uh, and I think you alluded to it at the beginning of our conversation about how you found that home and that you don't want to bounce around anymore. And w was that the big, like, do you, first of all, feel like uh, you left a lot of money on the table by not testing the market? Or did you not want to just even deal with that stress because you found the perfect place? You know, the grass isn't always yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, you know, my type of player, I didn't think I was, you know, necessarily breaking the bank. And, you know, there was you know, thoughts of, you know, comparables when you're talking to my agent of what I thought I should get. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was a lot of things, you know, COVID and, and the cap and mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, you know, look at guys, the amount of guys that are on PTOs this year, you know, it, it was just a lot of unknowns and, you know, having the, if I would have to go through that su this summer, unknowing what, mm -hmm. where my future lies. And like you said, having a role to, um, and I knew too what the situation was here. We had to sign, we had to sign Ecker, we had to sign Kevin, we had to sign Kirill. It was a pretty big three mm -hmm. names, and there was a potential of me getting lost in that those negotiation talks and priorities. So it was it was something I definitely looked over and talked with my family, and you know, obviously my parents, you know, wanting the best for me, always thinks like, no, he deserves this. Yeah, and, you know, it was hard to talk them into it, but. Um, I, the big thing was being here in Minnesota, establishing a role, trying to become part of a core group. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is if, if in your, in a career is if you become part of a core group, like that's, yeah. that's all you can ask besides winning a Stanley yeah. Cup is just becoming part of an organization and being a face of an organization. Yeah. Um, was, was, was pretty big on my priority list. I've, I've had the opportunity to get to know your, your, um, your, your mom, your dad and your brother, actually, I, I actually, I think took the picture that your brother has in front of like that, uh, you know, sign on oh, a pillar that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. it was a picture of you that we, I happened to meet your dad and your brother here. And it, coincidentally, the place that we met was right in front of your yeah, face. That's so funny. Took, yeah. I took that picture. Um, but, uh, and I saw Tanner, by the way, had a huge game the other day, yeah. a goal and yeah. uh, empty net goal and yeah. got it on the power play play um getting to know craig your dad and i did a father-son sit down with him and felino and dumba and i think cunnan's dad last year in vancouver or a couple years ago now in vancouver you know he he talks about your role a lot and and how you are you know you're an antagonist a lot of times on the ice we saw landeskog lose his mind yeah, on you yeah, last week yeah. for just uh, hitting cadre and things like that how tough is that role and where does it stem from i don't know um you know i've always you know, even in the house, it's been a competitive household. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard to say. You know, I don't know how how far apart Marcus and and, and Nick are apart, but it's only a couple years. Yeah, right? me and my brother are seven years, so I didn't really have that brother to brother competitiveness. It was kind of me, you know, being up on him, and like <laughs> there wasn't a lot letting him win. There maybe a little early, and then when he kind of got older, it was. But I don't know. It was my dad was you know always kind of hard on me based off in the competitive you know. You know, kind of like every, I feel like 
I think that every dad is, but I could be wrong, you know, like if we're playing baseball and I, and I one hop it to him, you know, he tells me one more time and we're done playing. Like <laughs> I'm out here to, to work and, you know, just that, just that attitude. And I don't know, just, you know, it's, it stems from my family. My mom, my mom's got you know, a little bit of attitude side to her too. <laughs> and I think it just stems from that. Um, just the way I grew up and, yeah. um, you know, too, with the team I play, uh, grew up playing with a lot of, a lot of, uh, very Italian group of friends and guy teammates that I played up in and a team that everyone hated. Like we were, we were one of the best teams, uh, the Chicago mission when we were young and, but we weren't just like skilled. We were just, I don't want to swear, but we were just a pain. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were a pain and everyone hated our team yeah. so much. And, other teams' parents hated us, you know, just kind of the way we played. They thought we were dirty, but everyone played passionately and hard, and that's kind of just how I came up. I think. Yeah, um, and your mom has overcome a lot, right? Yep. I mean, she had yep. she had breast cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She um, it was actually kind of a blessing um, in disguise. Obviously, not the cancer part, but I moved up to to play for the U.S. national team, and um, you know, I was going to move in with a billet family and my brother. So I was. I was 15 at the time and my brother would have been, would have been eight. Um, he didn't want me to leave. Mm -hmm. He, you know, it would be tough for your brother to go away when you're so young, you know, he's still pretty young and he made a comment that he wanted to move up there with me, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of selfish if you, if you think about leaving his friends and his life in Chicago. Right. Mm -hmm. And so him and my mother moved up and I lived with her and in, in Tanner and Ann Arbor. My dad stayed back for work and, um, you know, I think it was our first, maybe our second week there. Uh, she had a friend that that uh, got diagnosed with breast cancer, and I think she contacted all her friends. Were just like, "Hey, go get looked at." My, my mom, I don't know how old my mom was at the time, but she was young. Um, so it was like, "Go get checked, uh, go get looked at." Um, you know, you never never can be too cautious. So she went and got checked, and Ann Arbor is known to be one of the best cancer hospitals in the u.s which is kind of crazy to think about us moving there and then finding this out and they found it early which is which was great and um you know she she did what she had to do with the surgeries to get you know things removed and um it's been uh, no hiccups maybe something early but you know it's been you know since then she's been free so it's it's been uh and she was you know she was by herself taking care of me and my brother through the whole recovery you know obviously my dad coming up on the weekends but as as tough as a situation as it is she she didn't let it affect her or us like you didn't see you didn't see her in pain really much if she was she would hide it and you know it's that's not easy to do but just to kind of have that selflessness where where she's the one fighting for her life but at the same time not letting it affect her kids, yeah. which was which was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it reminds me of Devin Dubnik. Uh, used to tell the same story about his mom too. It's yeah. just incredible yeah. uh, the selflessness. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, uh, you are a huge avid outdoorsman. Um, a lot of fun questions about that. Uh, one, uh, somebody asked. I don't want to say his name because it's a parody account of me. Uh, I got a lot of these Twitter yeah. parody <laughs> accounts, and this one's a weird one. But anyway, uh, he wanted you. He must have watched your because I don't think I wrote about it or we wrote about it. But uh, he must have watched your press conference the other day where you alluded to the fact that you actually don't like ice fishing because there was an incident when you were a kid yeah that you fell on the ice and then yeah. or fell through the ice or on the ice um it was so i was in alabama we were bass fishing and there was a uh it was a kind of a cold winter down there and um because i had to go visit my cousin down there and um 
so we actually my dad was went around to, to fish some lily pads and i was in snow gear and uh there was all ice except for like maybe eight feet on the bank and um i went down the boat ramp to try to catch minnows with my little uh, i don't know how old it was i was probably six maybe five and uh maybe six seven i don't know um anyways i stepped on the boat ramp and i slipped in the water and then my boots filled up my 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 snowsuit filled up and i was sinking and i was going under the ice and i got under the water um and i was just reaching around and my my gloves got uh, caught on a nail in the um in the dock holy crap and i was able to like stop my that was the only thing that stopped me was the the, the nail that was sticking out of the dock and i uh, was able to grab on and climb out and i got myself out of the water full completely full of soaking you know submerged in water and came out dad had no idea I even went in like went around and saw me saw me and yeah that was a very near-death experience Holy crap. but i'm not i'm not scared of it i just i'm very cautious of thin ice <laughs> right you know it's not yeah. like you know i want i've go ice fishing i know it gets really cold up here but i don't trust uh you know i'm, I'm waiting till february to, <laughs> to get on the ice right well we were joking the other day though that you know your your gm of the minnesota wilds the assistant gm for usa hockey so heck, yeah. they, they might need a type of role player like you yeah you know, go right. up against canada yeah. um a couple other a lot of people are asking uh like kevin asked what's your favorite place to go fishing here and what do you like to catch um i've done a little bit of fishing up here not a crazy amount just with i'm only here you know in the uh when the season's going, you know, uh -huh. um, my girlfriend's dad likes, he does a lot of walleye fishing, um, mm -hmm. up in Mille Lacs and, um, I enjoy that. I'm, I'm big, large mouth, um, just from growing up down South and, um, catching these fish in Alabama and some of these just different sized fish. They're just way bigger down there. Um, you know, I worked on a fishing boat growing up. That was like my first job for like four years in the summer. I worked, I was the first mate on a charter boat. Um, so did a lot of ocean wow. fishing. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say, I'd say largemouth is probably my favorite. That's cool. Uh, I will read this one from a parody account. This is Russo's slacks. I don't like to give him a lot of oxygen, but this is, this made me laugh. He goes, Ryan, just how long in your opinion would Russo last on one of your out of signal range expeditions? The outcome is obvious, but are we talking minutes, hours, or days? Uh, I'm thinking minutes. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do anything. No, we're we're definitely not survive in the wilderness. We're pretty, uh, you know, we're pretty. We, it's pretty convenient, you know. We we got it kind of down pat with the with the fires, and you know, it's it's not. We're not necessarily roughing it. We, I mean, we do. We have power. We have running water from the from the lake. You got to pump in. I mean. Oh, I give you, I give you a couple of days. I keep, I keep you alive. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, Doug Risebrow, who used to be the GM here, he used to go on these like two week, no cell phone, like yeah. river trips, yeah. uh, alone, yeah. single man. And it, honestly, every time he'd leave, I'd get like nervous. Yeah. Not just because I couldn't reach him, but it was my, like my right. my ideal trip is like is is something you know either in Alaska and it's it's you know five to seven days and it's tents and all that stuff yeah. and you know setting up camp in different spots every night based off what you see that night if you if you're tracking a something whatever you're hunting and you find a good spot set yeah. up camp and that's kind of my big grizzly bear or yeah something. well no <laughs> I, i'm not a, i'm not a bear hunter yeah yeah i don't um, like the shoot stuff that can kill me a <laughs> uh, couple uh, uh other fun ones uh let's see nolan asked what's your favorite twin cities restaurant 
Nolan and Man- Maddie. Yes. Uh, Billy Sushi. I'm a big Everybody's, sushi fan. Yeah, I yeah. wish when I lived downtown for 12 years, it didn't exist then. Yeah, that's awesome. It, yeah. It's really good. Um, Gene asks, uh, one player in your locker room that you'd want to be uh, left with on a deserted island? Um, who would be? Let's go with, uh, I'd say, I'd say D's Ecker. Ecker, I think. I'll, he can carry the heavy loads. <laughs> yeah, he can he can pick the firewood and yeah. and carry it back to camp. I think yeah. he'd be good. I like this question too from Lonnie. I think General Soreness on Twitter. Uh, who is going to be the breakout store from the Minnesota Wild on the road to Winter Classic behind the scenes video? Like what maybe what? like the breakout star on the road to the Winter Classic? Like you know how they do these behind the scenes reality yeah. shows. Yeah, you guys yeah. are going to probably have that. Like which Wild player that maybe a lot of fans don't know a lot about is just going to be the guy that they're going to fall in love with just by watching that. Like the breakout star. Um, could be you. Yeah, it could be me. I'd, I'd say maybe – I don't know if the fans know much about Zuki. I'm sure they do, but I, I'd have to go with Zuki. I he, think he's experienced in these yeah. in these 24-7 uh, – well, I guess it's not 24-7 anymore. That, yeah. that, that used to be the winter classic thing, but I th- I'd say Zuki. Cool. Uh, Jack asks, best golfer and worst golfer on the team? Um, apparently, Boldy's – Boldy's uh, a plus two. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm a two myself, so it's between me and him. Um, but I, I think he takes the title. Uh, Zooks, who at least used to be a barista in Duluth. I, I know that because I met her there once. Uh, she asked your favorite golf course in the Twin Cities. Favorite golf course in the Twin Cities. Um, the guys bring me out. Uh, I'm not a member out here. I'm a member back home somewhere. But um, Oak Ridge, where Dumbs is, is nice. Um, I don't know. I mean, Interlocking, obviously, really nice. Olympic Hills mm-hmm. is good, too. Uh, final couple minutes, I swear, uh, Ryan. Uh, uh, Bryce asks, um, you've, you've played with Kane, you've played with Panarin. Where does Kirill rank on that list, and can you kind of dis- uh, differentiate between those? Yeah, he, he has a lot of – he reminds me a lot of, of, of Panarin. Um, like I said, I got, I got to play between those guys for a little bit. Um, you know, it was when he first came over, too. It was, it was the same as that situation. Um, yeah. Knew very little English was funny at, at, you know but didn't really know how to get it across at times um but I, a lot of similarities in the way they play like i remember thinking uh panarin was just skill and then all of a sudden he was he dropped the gloves with uh i think it was Braden. was it shen he fought bozak he fought bozak and beat him up and i was just like these these russians are they're different i, lo- I love the way those you know, uh-huh. krill's the same way he battles you know he doesn't lose many battles you know you get a lot of skill guys that shy away from that stuff and krill doesn't which which yeah. i love yeah a lot of people did ask about the land sky thing the other day how much of that is about hitting codger how much of that is just from playing them as much as you do that you probably that you both probably do have just years of beef yeah I'm, i mean i've always i've always played hard against them and i've had some um history with that team but I still don't really know all what that was even about. You know, I, I know I talked to Kadri after I'm like, you know, you would have hit me as well. You would have done the same exact thing. And I know Landis guy would have done the same thing too. Um, I don't really know. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting. I, you know, I, I wasn't really, I was just kind of let it happen. And then when you, you take five uppercuts on the ground, you know, yeah. Um, you know, usually after hits like that, you give a guy a chance to, to turn around and, and face it. Um, it didn't seem like he wanted to. He was just, you know, trying to just 
send a message, but wasn't really. You know, it's preseason two. I don't think guys really want to get hurt breaking hands and yeah, that and was stuff what like was that. so strange but to me. I think that's that's kind of why it wasn't. Uh, you know, turn me around and try to fight. It was just kind of just like you know. Yeah. It is, well, yeah. We'll yeah. see what happens. Right? We'll um, Hideki asks, Minnesota, Illinois is a place to live and why you don't need to lie and butter us up. Tell us the truth. Say that again? Uh, Minnesota, Illinois is a place to live and why. <laughs> Oof. I and mean, rem- and he, he, uh, he did go, remember you where your girlfriend grew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this sounds like one of her family members maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's different. It's different. I love, I love getting the three or four months of the city life, mm-hmm. and I love coming here and having a yard and – it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, I do miss Chicago's winters, you know, being in the downtown big city with the snow. Um, you know, but I do love love the 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 life out here as well. And I would like, you know, I'm thinking about next summer, maybe spend the summer out here because mm-hmm. I don't think you experience Minnesota till you're here for for a summer. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, up in the air until yeah. I get to experience the summer. Uh, two last questions, I swear. Uh, one really uh, hockey question. Uh, Daniel has a great one. Now that you're playing center, do you? Uh, how much do you work on faceoffs, and do you pre pre scout other centers' tendencies? Yeah, we uh-huh. watch. We watch a lot of pre scout videos, um, and we work on them. You know, while the wingers are doing shooting drills, we get all the centers together and um, try to work on some things and try to try to just get better every night. I know that's that's one thing I, I, I'm trying to get better at and try to work on. Um, it seemed like when I was when I was a winger, I was winning a lot more when I'd come in. And as a center, I think guys, you know, as a winger, guys, you come in and guys don't know what you're going to do. And now as a center, they're watching you as well. And they kind of see your tendencies too. So um, maybe try to get a variety of some different moves and some stuff and try to be, be more on, uh, what do you call it, just – not be able to yeah unpredictable yeah unpredictable um last question uh definitely not david i love this question too uh ryan uh do you still drive the pickup truck you've had since juniors when i read that you became my favorite player much love from western australia western australia yeah so you have a favorite player uh uh, biggest fan in western australia awesome and tim Um, wants to know how many how many miles on that truck if you do have it. yeah it was a graduation gift from my grandmother um high school was my first car uh, it's got 140,000 on it, which is, I don't think it's too bad for being a 2011, yeah. 10 years old. Um, it runs great. Um, I am, I have been looking, uh, not saying I'm going to get a new one, but I'm definitely not trading it in. Um, yeah. I think you always, I always think you always need one. I've always been the guy that's like, Hey, I need to move this cat, which kind of like, it's, a. Sometimes it's not crazy. It's, hey, I'm moving. Can I use your truck? You know, it's always, <laughs> I'm always helping people move and I need to put something in your truck to tow and all this stuff. But, yeah. um, no, it's, I, I, I love having the truck, you know, in the winters too. I got a, I got a big tow rope and, um, pull, I've, I've definitely pulled a handful of people out of, out of banks last, last year. I kind of always just, if I'm bored, I'll just drive around and do that stuff. But, wow, really? Um, if they're, I'm not driving around looking, but uh-huh. I, you know, at, at some times yeah. I definitely. Any of those just, people realize that you're Ryan Hartman in Minnesota? Well, no, yeah, but that's um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, some of these BMWs and some of these cars have stand no chance on any type of any type of grade whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I do have that stuff in my yeah. car just in case. Yeah. Well, hey, Ryan, I really appreciate you joining. Uh, I love doing these podcasts because I think it gives fans a real good inside glimpse of like who they're watching on the ice every day. And that's right. something that really the last couple of years with the pandemic, we haven't been able to do a lot of personality stories. So, yeah. you know, thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to watching you play uh, this year. I appreciate so, it. Thank yep. you. That is our Ryan Hartman. Thanks again. And uh, let's take a quick break and we'll wrap up the podcast. 
My thanks again to Ryan Hartman for joining Straight from the Source. By the way, Straight from the Source, not the only podcast on The Athletic. There's tons and tons of them. Some of my favorites are The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Storylines Week on The Athletic Hockey Show. In fact, Ian Mendez and Hallie Salvian take a closer look at the New York Rangers and Toronto Maple Leafs with Rick Carpiniello. And James Myrtle, Craig Custance, and Sean Gentile focus on the Blackhawks and the Avs with Mark Lazarus and Peter Baugh. And Mendez and Down Goes Brown go deep on the Sabres and the Islanders with John Vogel and Arthur Staple. But what a bunch of legends this week on the Athletic Hockey Show. Listen to it wherever you download your podcast. And thanks for listening to Straight From The Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. Subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple's podcast to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions at The Athletic are 50% off when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source.